0: Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I hope that you are having a great day today. It's your host, Eric Rieger, soon to be joined by my other host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. And uh, Kenneth Brown, KBMD, he's the reason that we've got the Gut Check Project. So let's talk a little bit about this episode that's going to follow these announcements. And it's episode number 55. It's a continuation of episode number 54, where we talked about men's health specifically how inflammation from various diseases and, and viruses, for instance, can cause erectile dysfunction. And what can be done about it, maybe to recognize it, but what 55 is going to talk about specifically is the continuation of what we talked about in 54. So in 54, we we kind of delved a little into you know, why inflammation can cause such a problem when uh, two people are trying to be intimate. And now in 55, we're going to talk about what actionable items you can take to hopefully avoid these situations. And if you're experiencing them, maybe you can try this and, and get over it instead of just always having to turn to a pharmaceutical. So, uh, anyhow, of course, this is an informative podcast, so we are not your direct health care providers, but uh, just definitely want to share the information. So without wasting any more time, let's get into our sponsors. Of course, AtronTeal, Dr. Kenneth Brown's baby. And AtronTeal is where you're going to get your daily polyphenols. We talk a lot about polyphenols, and for good reason. It's what the bacteria in your microbiome, in your gut, What. They not only want, it's what they need in order to provide the postbiotic materials and compounds that your body uses every single day to stave off inflammation, to stave off disease, to give you more energy, to protect your telomeres. Why? Because that could actually be an anti-aging mechanism. So regardless, polyphenols are what your body needs. Atron Teal just happens to be chock full of some of the most stable polyphenols known to man and stability matters. Because that's how the bacteria is going to get them to break them down and give you what your body wants. So, Autron you will go to lovemytummy.com. That's lovemytummy.com KBMD. Pick up your daily polyphenols today. And, of course, Unrefined Bakery. We've talked about it. And for good reason, because Unrefined Bakery has incredible food and it does not matter. If you need to avoid bread because you are a gluten-free eater or you're a keto eater or you happen to be paleo, they specialize in those types of diets and they make the right kinds of breads, desserts, treats, packs, snack mix, all of the things that possibly you thought you couldn't have anymore while you adhered to a specific diet, Unrefined Bakery has unlocked the mystery and they ship to all the lower 48. You can go to unrefinedbakery.com. That's unrefinedbakery.com and use code gutcheck at checkout save 20% off of your entire first order. Like I said, it's just great food. It doesn't matter if it's keto, paleo, etc. They've got all of the different diet specialties spelled out on there, but they will deliver or ship to your house. And, uh, you know, check them out, unrefinedbakery.com, delicious food. Use code GUTCHECK at checkout, save 20%. Last but not least, KBMD Health, named for Ken Brown, MD. And this has not only the store that features the three products that uh, Ken has absolutely no problem standing behind, Broccolite, as well as Atron Teal, and KBMD CBD. but you can leave us a message. You can, uh, inquire a little bit more. We're, we're trying to build up a little bit of the content that we have on there, but a lot of that's going to come from what it is that you want. So shoot us some more messages. I know that we, we produce the podcast, but we're looking to see if we can't expand on some of that. So Uh, go to kbmdhealth.com. Check out the store as well as the archived podcasts. And, uh, if you have any questions or just a comment, shoot us a, uh, shoot us an email from the button on there and, uh, we will do all we can to get back to you as soon as we can. So without wasting any more time, go, let's uh, go to, what do you mean? Go to, I'm taking us there. We're going to go to episode 55 right now on the gut check project. Check Project, Project fans and KBMD Health Family. It is Eric, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. What's going on, man?
1: We got episode 55, we which do. is part two of the prior episode that we did regarding men's health and some erectile dysfunction stuff. And it was really good timing because we got some pretty cool research to go over today, and it's all appropriate. So sit back learn a little bit about how to protect your penis naturally
0: naturally and so that's what episode 55 is going to be about a continuation of episode number 54 but before we get into that I think that we uh we need to touch on some things that I know that you've been doing with someone who is actually on the show
1: all right so we always do a little personal stuff yeah so um what's been going on in my life I got my stem cells. Oh. So shout out to Dr. Wade McKenna and his team, which by the way, his staff is awesome. Yeah, they are. They are absolutely amazing. So it's the first time I've ever been sedated. And so I've had two colonoscopies, three endoscopies, two of which I did on myself, which was a, which was a gag fest. Uh, and I've always been, although we put pe- you put people to sleep right. all the time, first time I've ever received propofol, wow. It was amazing. It was like the coolest thing ever. It's like, I just like suddenly two hours lapsed and um, Dr. Jerry Lewis, shout out to him. so Wade brought him in and they were able to actually float a catheter into my foramenal opening. And I got pictures of this and injected stem cells after doing a bone marrow harvest on me. I don't remember any of it, no pain. And quite honestly, I'm feeling really good. And it's only the beginning because I'm doing IV infusions now. So, so.
0: the crazy thing is is uh, working with you and talking every day like we do about work, et cetera. Uh, I saw when you had true deficit, like you really could not extend your right arm. The, the, uh, the uh, tricep really was not responsive. Uh, literally, Brown is standing while we are scoping. You were kind of positioning yourself to work the scope differently than you just normally would, because you'd lost basically faculty in your-, in your uh, Yeah,
1: so what happened is, is that with the disc bulge, it actually compressed the nerve. I've got foramenal which is where the nerve comes out. I've got foramenal stenosis, and I was, um, the swelling that took place from the disc bulge was compressing the nerve, and I didn't have um, all my usual strength, one of them being these uh, C6-7. When I saw Wade the first time, yeah. He was, like all, he was like, oh, yeah, 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 you're not going to have tricep strength. You're going to lose your, your medial pectoralis, which is exactly right. And he goes, that happened to me years ago, and this is what I did. And, dude, that guy is such a stud. Yeah. He had a back thing where he did his own bone marrow harvest, taught his colleague, because he's the only guy that has done it this much, said this is exactly how you're going to do it, and did his own bone marrow harvest made his own stem cells and then had them injected in him. And I do not want to say that was like 10 years ago or 11 years ago. Oh,
0: without question. Yeah.
1: You know, and he's, he's done well. So if you're somebody that has knee injuries, shoulder, uh, for sure knee, low back shoulder, uh, they do this all the time. Neck for me looks like it's going to be, um, a pre- a really good success. I'm n- no pain right now and I'm gaining function back. It's really it's a it's a humbling experience to go to the gym yeah and be proud that you like can you know where usually dumbbells would be uh, it, it's this it's it's my ego getting in the way but normally it would be like yeah I did you know 110 in each each arm dumbbell incline dumbbells now I'm just like sweet I got twenty. Yeah. Yeah in your <laughs> left hand and five in your right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No. So Um, Yeah, so shout out to him. So if anybody has any issues, please. um, In fact, you uh, did a revisit of the episode. I did. Yeah, so you did a Facebook post and Instagram post. We tried
0: something new. So if we have, we have a different studio now. And uh, honestly, the audience has grown significantly over the last two and a half years. So some of the episodes that we had at the old studio that we didn't really have the network. We didn't have Paul helping us push out things more on the internet. We were, we were more kind of internet radio based back then, which we had a great audience there. But now we've kind of got a new, uh, or a lot of new viewers. So what we're going to try to do is do some revisits when we can, or when this last week, we were both super busy and just couldn't film an episode. So check out the revisit number one, which actually features uh, Dr. Wade McKenna. And we were prompted to do that really because of what you've been doing
1: yeah absolutely and if you want to learn a little bit more about stem cells there's uh, number one look at that episode because wow i did not realize that this has been wade's background his entire career and you can look at some ted talks with some german doctors because the rules are a little bit more lax over there so they've been they've been researching stem cells a lot longer than we have it's incredible. I think it's going to be how we're going to treat disease in the future for sure.
0: 100%. So I've known Wade for almost two decades. And it, when I was covering for him in the OR, it was nothing for him to have a research project going on having someone in the room, simply taking uh, samples from the patient, that would be spun down and he did all kinds of, I mean, he's one of the first doctors to utilize PRP. I mean, it goes back a really, really long time ago.
1: Yeah. They, for anybody that's wondering, anybody that's worried about anesthesia, I will now give my first-hand take on it. I gave my first-hand take on what it feels like to get a colonoscopy. Um, I'm so angry at myself, but I believe my CRNA's name was
0: Corey? Troy? Troy? No, Troy is uh, uh, Troy is uh, Wade's uh, PA. Ah. So it's probably
1: Corey cory it's probably cory anyways great guy great crna knew you because you guys trained together oh, at some court. point he trained he trained under you um he told me he goes here's what's gonna happen we're gonna they they got the iv in he goes we're gonna go ahead and um lay down in a gurney here we're gonna harvest the bone marrow you're gonna go to sleep and then we're gonna wake you up you're gonna hop over on this floral table go face down then um we're going to go ahead. The doctors will come in. They will then float the catheter, get in there. Jerry Lewis is going to assist Dr. McKenna. Once they get in the right position, they'll inject it. Then we will stop the anesthetic and roll you over. You'll wake up and you're going to, you're going to do great. I said, awesome. So all of a sudden, I just remember being shook a little bit. And I went, I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to do that. We just did the bone marrow. Awesome. And I tried to Go, where's the floral table? They're like, You're all done. Like, you're all done. And I looked up, I'm like, it's been two hours. Holy cow. And I was like euphoric and felt great. And I was like, whoa, I gotta do this more often. Yeah. Not more stem cells. I (laughs) mean more
0: just just, just relaxing anesthesia. Just
1: relaxing anesthesia. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: Um uh, personally, what's going on with you? Uh, We are still remodeling the house. Uh, It's interesting to not be in our normal home and having to go back and watch them kind of do demo, et cetera. But uh, uh, Gage just came up from college yesterday, so it's very, very exciting. Mac, of course, still swinging at um, at basketball, and uh, they just finished a big tournament down in San Antonio. They won three or four to get to the championship. So he did great, and Marie's social media company's really taken off. That's
1: awesome. Um, As far as my household, uh, Carla won her tournament last weekend. So shout out to Carla. Super proud of you. Did great. Uh, The uh, Lucas, um, his last tournament in Costa Rica hurt his heel. And just to be, just because I'm a worry wart, I ended up taking him to direct orthopedic care, which actually was kind of impressive. They got us in right away and they x-rayed him and did all this. He wearing a boot for a week and now his foot's better. Fortunately, nothing was broken. And then, same thing with you, remodeling. Oh, yeah. So, Loida, I'm um, spending a lot of time with my wife, Loida, looking at white paint. And um, hmm. she keeps asking me, which white should we use for what room, where it's going to go, Oh yes. what yes. shade of white? And ah. honestly, it's all the same to me. I-, I honestly think I'm white colorblind. I clearly see just white. Well, isn't that what it is? Well, not Loida. She sees nuances, kind of like, uh, kind of like a dragonfly would see, like uh, ultraviolet light or something. I think she sees the nuance of weird whites <laughs> that I don't get. So I'm just nodding, and I'll just be like that one. And she's like, "Are you kidding? That has hints of gray in no,
0: it." No, honey, that one is the one I would
1: not like. <laughs> that is not what I want right there. <laughs> We're gonna, yeah. So
0: no, I I understand. I just. I agreed with Marie that she should pick out all things aesthetic and uh, she said, well, you don't want to help. And I said, why would I want to do that? I don't know what we're looking at. And so that's pretty much the way it's (laughs) gone.
1: Oh, part of the thing I've been doing for my neck is I've been going um, to North Dallas Spine Center where I've been getting traction on my neck. Oh yeah. And so I lay down in one of those traction machines where they pull my neck, yeah. And they have a TV above me and they keep it on HGTV. Oh yeah. And it dawned on me that if you've got nothing going on, HGTV will give you a home renovation show. <laughs> so pretty sure that my daughter Carla and Loida can have their own HGTV home renovation show because that's what they do. Kinda like you're talking about Marie. It's like this tile, that tile, look at this, look at this. And it's just like, oh, this is gonna accent this. And it is dizzying.
0: Oh, completely sure. dizzy. It's a specialty and it's a specialty that I have no special skill in.
1: No, at all. not at all. So. Well, that's awesome. So, um, you good? Yeah. All right. right. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about this. I am so pumped. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. That is not. So pumped. An article recently came out. um, You know, like, when you're always posting GIFs of, like, a guy falling off a skateboard, like, a bunch of times, like, screwing up? And you're like, isn't this guy awesome? And then I'll post under that. No, Eric, he's not awesome. He really needs lessons and a helmet. And then you'll respond with like, LOL. And I'll just look at that and go, is he saying LOL because he now gets that the guy is bad? Or is he saying LOL? I, I don't know. It just adds to a lot of confusion.
0: Well, what does LOL
1: mean? Well, it, it's, it's, it's laugh out loud. And um, it just, but you know how you always do that all the time and I'm always doing that?
0: I know how I always walk into these scenarios that I learn about myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, fortunately, shout out to University of Central Florida because we don't got to worry about these confusing social media exchanges that you and I have. Yeah. Frequently.
0: All of the time. All
1: of the time. (laughs) So a study was just published May 8th in the Journal of Entropy. Where University of Central Florida has developed, thank goodness, okay. to save our podcast relationship, uh-huh. a newly developed artificial intelligence algorithm that can accurately detect sarcasm in comments written on social media. Yeah, I
0: I want to challenge it now.
1: Go Miami man. (laughs) Or Florida man, I should say. I shouldn't just key in on Miami right there. All right, so computer science researchers at the University of Central Florida have developed a sarcasm detector. How can that even work? So social media has become a very dominant form of communication for not only people, but as it turns out, businesses. Companies are always trying to sell products and services. And... Somebody's always assigned to respond to the comments that people do. Properly understanding and responding to the com- to the customer feedback on social media platforms is critical for success. Ergo, somebody needs to invent something to help those people understand that your customer is being sarcastic. Uh, not-
0: I I don't I don't know. I mean, I hope that they make a lot of money moving this. App out, but who cares?
1: But it's well, anyway, so I got really into it because of our exchanges on social media, I, as I've <laughs> said multiple times. And that's wow. where something called sentiment analysis comes in. This University of Central Florida team developed a technique that accurately detects sarcasm in social media texts. Effectively, the team taught the computer model to find patterns that often indicate sarcasm and combine that with teaching the program to correctly pick out. Q words in a sentence that were more likely to indicate sarcasm. They taught the model to do this by feeding it large data sets, then checked its accuracy. And I believe that our exchanges were probably fundamental to their research.
0: Yeah. Um, Actually, after hearing that, I think, I think this is actually really, really important.
1: So I think it's super important also. And I was so interested in this that I actually contacted the scientists themselves and wanted to speak with them. And I contacted another sarcasm expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to get another take on the whole field. And so so your wife, Marie, commented that sarcasm isn't always easy to identify in conversation.
0: That's weird that she would say that because I'm never sarcastic at home. And then the scientists are quoted
1: as, so you can imagine it's pretty challenging for a computer program to do it and do it well. So my own research on this has determined that sarcasm is a difficult thing and doing it on letting a computer decide it is hard.
0: Yeah, again, I just want to reiterate how important I think this is.
1: Yes. Sarcasm has been a major hurdle since sarcasm relies heavily on vocal tones, facial expression, and gestures that cannot be represented in text. It's important science. Super important. This
0: this makes sense to me.
1: In a quote, detecting sarcasm in textual communication is not a
0: trivial task.
1: Dr. Akula is quoted, or maybe it was Marie. I don't remember which expert was quoting. Oh,
0: she's often given many lectures on sarcasm. I'm sure that... It could could go either way there.
1: That's why I went to her and asked her. Sure. I wanted to interview her. So kudos to University of Central Florida.
0: And way to go, Marie, too. (laughs) Thanks for all the feedback that you gave to this awesome, very important science. Super important. Incredibly. That is the weirdest thing that we've ever done on this
1: show. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that article, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Real scientists are spending a lot of time trying to pick out sarcasm, and I'm like, Wow.
0: Yeah. It sucks that they don't get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough of that. That was but it's it's real. You can look it up. It's to me it's to me it's just hilarious. <laughs> um, that's why we have emojis, you know, the little gestures that people do. All right. So let's just jump into this episode, episode fifty-five, to more important more important topics. Health. So remember that last episode was all about how I was seeing more patients. Sure. Post-COVID, young patients, otherwise healthy, as I would start discussing things with them, uh, they would ask me, um, very honestly, it "Have is there any relation to COVID and having erectile dysfunction? Because after I've had COVID, I've been having issues. So we started looking into that, and that's what that episode was actually about, where we covered um, how there is this plausible reason for this, and how certain studies are showing that they're, they're aggregating some data where people post-COVID, the long haulers, are actually having issues with erectile dysfunction. That was last episode. Check this out.
0: This was just published two days ago. Oh, wow, so definitely new information since our last episode.
1: Definitely new information, and this is why I said instead of, you know, go Florida man, go Miami man, because out of the University of Miami, two Florida studies Whoa. in one episode. Whoa. Out of the University of Miami, researchers report COVID-19 found in penile tissue could contribute to erectile dysfunction.
0: Really, so uh, where? Like uh, uh, corpus callosum, what are we talking? Great question. So
1: basically it's a very small case series, but it is pretty interesting. Um, A urologist out of the University of Miami uh, published this, that COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, let's say it that way, can present in the penis tissue long after men recover from the virus. So the widespread blood vessel dysfunction or endothelial dysfunction, which is what our last episode was all about, that results from COVID-19 infection, can contribute to erectile dysfunction. According to this study that was just published in the World Journal of Men's Health, what uh, this urologist did is he was implanting penile implants in patients with refractory erectile dysfunction he had a few patients that uh, were post-COVID and they developed this afterwards. So his idea was that the SARS-CoV-2 virus Mm -hmm. can affect the endothelium and create inflammation which then can result in erectile dysfunction. What's crazy about this is that we know that the endothelial lining is the lining in blood vessels. And it lines organs as well, so it can be anywhere in the body. Mm-hmm. What is really crazy about this is that he took these people that had this prior history of COVID, and then he took a subset of people that did not, but were coming in for the same issues. Right. So a severe diabetic, or somebody that um, that is having erectile dysfunction, that is, it's devastating enough that you're going to go have surgery for it and have an implant done. So it's a, this is a, like a big deal. This is, I mean, it's one of those things that I guess, you know. A lot of pharmaceutical money's made on it, a lot of, you know, snickering is done with it, but the reality is if you get an infection and then this affects that, it affects your relationships, it affects your mood and all this. What was fascinating is that he did biopsies of the corpus cavernosum.
0: Oh, cavernosum, sorry, yeah.
1: Yeah, of the corpus cavernosum, and this is nuts. He sent it off to a research facility where they did electron microscopy on it. Uh And they found a spiked virus sitting in the corpus cavernosum consistent with it being SARS-CoV-2 hanging out in the corpus cavernosum in patients that had recovered eight months before from COVID-19 and had antibodies.
0: So it hadn't really gone anywhere. It's Dude, basically sitting there dormant, that's, causing long-term infection and problems. We, we don't know that part. It, this
1: is possibly. possibly I, I should say that. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. And I guess, you know, like one of my questions, I mean, I got a lot of questions for that guy is, are you sure that's SARS-CoV-2? Are you sure it's not another virus? Are you sure it's not whatever? Is this sure. a co-infection? with All these other things. But that is crazy because that means you cleared the virus uh-huh. and you got SARS-CoV-2 hanging out in your penis
0: well it's uh let's go the other way he just at least identified that it's possible that there was a virus that happened to look like SARS but inevitably it's inflammation that is causing the erectile dysfunction he thinks he believes that's the connection so it in essence it doesn't just have to be SARS-CoV-2 it really could be how are you going to protect yourself from long-term inflammation right?
1: You're exactly right. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. This is exactly what we're going to talk about today because on so many episodes we discuss almost, it seems like somehow we get into the fact that inflammation, right. chronic inflammation, acute inflammation is good, chronic inflammation, bad, um, can create all different kinds of problems. So today we're going to talk about how to protect your penis naturally. Okay. And I have not heard this anywhere. And so um, b- b- I, to me, it's a very, very fascinating article um, about how we're gonna do this naturally and using mother nature's secret weapon. So let's just recap really quickly the physiology of from the last episode of erectile dysfunction. So if you remember your brain somehow becomes aroused in any one of the senses, it becomes aroused and then it releases acetylcholine where acetylcholine leads to the conversion of arginine to nitric oxide via something that we're gonna talk about, nitric oxide synthase. Then nitric oxide causes vasodilation of the blood vessels in the corpus cavernosum, which are the spongy tissue in the penis, which then allows for an erection. Ultimately, when you don't need the erection anymore, another enzyme called PD-5 breaks down the nitric oxide and you go back to your normal state the etiology of a of erectile dysfunction can be psychogenic neurogenic hormonal or vasculogenic and so when you look at all that keep in mind that almost all of those have an underlying common theme and that is chronic inflammation
0: right and all of those have to be working for it to for it to work exactly
1: Exactly. So that's, that's what we're going to look at. So if you have any, if if, I, I suggest everybody go look at the last episode because we went into significant detail about this and, and, and we were theorizing almost that, um, getting COVID can do this. And now we just have an article that just came out two days ago, actually showing on biopsy that it's, that it's not only plausible, but it's probably likely.
0: Wild man. It is really, really wild. I know it's nuts.
1: So uh, this got me really thinking. Uh, after seeing this article, I started thinking about the whole aspect of how do we, um, after the last podcast, if this is going to be a more common theme, All right? Because so many people are, you know, have been infected. Then what can we do from a natural perspective? And today I want to talk about the role of dietary polyphenols in the management of erectile dysfunction. In fact, a Very brilliant article was published in 2017 um, out of a research group out of Africa where they specifically looked at that. And what they were really looking at is the mechanism of action. And these guys go into great detail about erectile dysfunction, noting how many things can cause it but also that one of the main underlying themes was inflammation at its root. Okay. So when I get articles, so Angie and I exchange articles all the time, and when I get articles, I'll briefly read through the abstract, and when somebody says that in the abstract, I'm like, this, this group is speaking our language. Right. So what? that's what we're going to talk about today, specifically the inflammatory process and how it leads to this. They were specifically looking at reactive oxygen species, meaning the underlying cause of inflammation is free radicals that can be caused by so many different things. So it doesn't matter if it's um, arterial, it doesn't matter if it's the hormonal. Um, Bottom line is if you have inflammation in tissue, how does that cause it and how can how can it be prevented? Am I making sense?
0: Yeah, you're making sense. Essentially, what you're saying is, is long-term inflammation has this byproduct called reoxid or I'm sorry, reactive oxygenation species. Is there something that we could do to help clean up that mess so that we could have a better chance of achieving things where inflammation is getting in the way?
1: Absolutely. So, when you think about this, when you because we always hear about antioxidants. And, and people talk about, oh, take this antioxidant, this is a superfood, it's whatever. Yeah. What does that really mean? Well, yeah. specifically, inflammation from reactive oxygen species leads to increased production of free radicals, which ultimately leads to lipid peroxidation, meaning breaking down fat that kicks off more inflammation, protein oxidation, meaning breaking down protein, which kicks off more inflammation, mm-hmm. uh, DNA oxidation, which means you actually break down your DNA. And so that's the epigenetic component of right. some of this stuff. And then decreased synthesis of nitric oxide and upregulation of pro-inflammatory cytokines.
0: And that actually is a double whammy. So if you are stopping, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but if, if you are stopping the production of nitric oxide, you're now decreasing blood flow. And by decreasing blood flow, you're actually allowing whatever happens to be in that area to linger longer. And if you are increasing cytokine release in that area, now not only are there pro-inflammatory markers, now in the area that we don't want them, it's going to take longer for them to be flushed out because there's just simply not enough blood flow.
1: Did you speak with the researchers? I I didn't. Because that's a- spot on oh, okay we'll, we'll go in a little more detail but it's almost like you were, you had a phone call with them to
0: like... <laughs> yeah. I, after we talked about the sarcasm meter we talked, about, <laughs> we talked about that
1: all right so you're exactly right but what's really cool is the actual mechanism and how these polyphenols can help in these process at different stages okay so reactive oxygen species cause oxidative stress because you have an imbalance between the pro-oxidants and the antioxidants in a cellular system, so once you tip that, damage to the DNA, proteins, and lipids, and the proteins like I just talked about results in a massive increase in inflammatory cytokines. Right, just like you were saying. So in theory, antioxidants could help protect the endothelium, the lining of the corpus cap, of the corpus cavernosum. Uh, by shifting that inflammatory cascade someplace else. The most potent natural antioxidants are in the form of polyphenols. So this study really reviews the dietary polyphenols and the role they play in the management of erectile dysfunction from an inflammation perspective.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And, and, and most of our viewers know that uh, if you're addressing inflammation with polyphenols, you're not just addressing it for ED, you're actually going to be addressing it systemically. This is what your body needs to balance everything out.
1: I'm blown away that the more that we do this podcast, the more that I keep uncovering research that has existed. This is 2017, never even heard about this. I'm like, holy cow. And it was so good. It's like when we had Charlene on with the celiac stuff. Oh, Correct. Holy cow. Um, Really quick, can you just explain, in case somebody's tuning in for the first time, what a polyphenol is?
0: polyphenols so the easiest way to find them are knowing that they are the compounds that you find naturally in fruits and vegetables which are responsible for the colorful fruit or i'm sorry the colorful uh, visualizations that you see in you know green broccoli or red apples etc but what they do when you consume them is they are really what your gut bacteria want for food they've got specific functions by the time that they get there they arrive Your bacteria know exactly what to do with them. And then they can turn into beneficial products after they're consumed so that you can protect yourself from inflammation. You can give yourself um, a better chance of anti-aging the byproducts of polyphenol, uh, metabolism, I guess you could call it. And your colon really pay long term (laughs) dividends. It's the reason why we've always been coached to drink. I'm sorry, to drink, to eat fruits and vegetables daily. And they're, they're, the, they're the workhorse inside fruit and vegetables.
1: Exactly. So what you're going to see in the future, I'll say in the future of research, followed by the future of the market, is that there's this shift going from the um, probiotics that we're now learning are probably not as quite beneficial as initially touted, and there's lots of marketing behind it, and most research, or a lot of researchers, are moving away from probiotics to studying these polyphenolic molecules. And you summed it up perfectly, and that's awesome. It's like when I hear you, I'm just like, man, he's so smart. Why would he comment such a silly thing about that skateboarder?
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't know why I did that on that social media exchange that we never had. I know. <laughs> All right. So
1: what these researchers looked at initially is they said, well, we're gonna we're gonna pull a bunch of studies, um, and what they looked at was something that that is very interesting to me as well, is that they realized that all the studies really involved large, stable polyphenols like proanthocyanidins.
0: Interesting. I think we know a little bit about proanthocyanidins.
1: We know a little bit about that. As Eric mentioned, the proanthocyanidins are the polyphenols which are found in the fruits and vegetables with the most vibrant colors the blueberries, um, berries, and things like that. So that's what they were looking at with these studies. Not so much that they were trying to select those, it's that that's what other people had published. So this study that I'm talking about Mm. is like a mini meta-analysis. And what a meta-analysis is, is when a research group will take data that exists, small studies, they'll congregate it, and then they'll do a, a review and say, this is what the data shows when you put all the data together. Okay. So if you have a couple case series, then you put those together. That's what. A, so this is like a mini meta-analysis looking at several studies, uh, not several, like many studies. Um, for instance, prior studies have shown that polyphenols exert their action directly on the endothelial lining of blood vessels. One of the studies cited... Sums your whole message up, where it goes all over the body. Mm-hmm. This is really cool. One of the studies cited found that they radio-labeled polyphenol metabolites.
0: Okay, so and uh, just to break it down, that's what uh, the uh, that's the compound that would exist after the bacteria has taken a polyphenol and broken it down to what it knows is beneficial, right? Exactly.
1: So by radio-labeling the large polyphenol, once it gets broken down, mm-hmm. then they can see wherever it goes. And the reason why I say that is because. To their surprise, nothing was excreted in the urine, but they did find these polyphenol metabolites in the brain, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, prostate, uterus, ovary, mammary glands, testes, bladder, bone, skin, and highly concentrated in all endothelial linings.
0: So essentially every organ in all of our blood vessels are highly dependent upon these metabolites.
1: Yeah, and none or essentially none were being excreted through the urine. So as we sit there and talk about this, and we've talked about this, this is when these polyphenols, you take a large, stable polyphenol, like Kibaracho, proanthocyanidin and if you have a diverse microbial base, your microbiome will break this down into
0: beneficial metabolites that find their way everywhere. Well, if it weren't important, and if your body didn't want it, it would be doing all it could. The reason why you brought up urine... Is it would be doing all that it could to eliminate them, but it's not doing that.
1: Well, it's not doing that because if it was so I guess you could think about this, if it were absorbed, correct, you'd pee it out right. because all urine is is filtered blood. Right. And if it's not absorbed at all, then what you would see is that radio label tracing in You're the in toilet. Stool. Yeah. Yeah. In a stool, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty wild. So these authors wanted to know, well, okay, knowing that it's going to go everywhere, how would this correlate in erectile dysfunction? And more importantly, what are the mechanisms and how it actually does this? Okay. So knowing that these polyphenols can work directly on the endothelial lining and that inflammation can cause erectile dysfunction, what studies exist to explain how these polyphenols – can help directly with erectile dysfunction so i admire these guys it's a really thick article it was i had to read it like 700 times or something like that
0: (laughs) i don't know i think the sarcasm meter has alarmed us that 700 is probably inaccurate
1: hold on let me check the computer
0: Oh, you're right. The
1: AI says that I was being sarcastic. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So, first, they referenced many different studies showing how polyphenols have been found to have a direct antioxidant effect. So, when people think about polyphenols, they always refer to it as being potent antioxidants, preventing this oxidative stress. But a more important role that they have determined is that there may be very beneficial indirect effects. And we've talked about these indirect effects on multiple episodes. Absolutely. And so one of these that they went into tremendous detail is a pathway called the NF kappa beta. NF kappa beta. We talked about this on the immune episode. We talked about it when we had the um, when we had David uh, on broccoli right. on. The we've discussed it. Yeah, yeah the sulforaphanes. We've this NF kappa beta is the is the first domino that gets turned on. So it's almost like a pluritrophic phenomenon where it sets off this huge cascade. So if you want to know more about that and about the cascade, go to our episode on the immune system because that is where I just drew it all out where it shows how complex it is. But basically to sum it up, it causes this release of inflammatory cytokines, just blah, turns it all on polyphenols control this process by controlling the nf kappa beta okay so it doesn't let nf kappa beta come in and just say let's throw a party it says whoa hold on just calm down so it's what down regulates that pathway in addition and this is something i did not know polyphenols regulate local enzymes that are pro inflammatory like something called inos which is inducible nitric oxide synthase and I just shout out to Angie because she said if you're going to do an episode follow-up she sent me a full article she's like I've always been confused about this because sometimes people refer to nitric oxide as being part of the inflammatory cascade Uh and I'm like but it's always there and she's like this is a great article that summarizes it as it turns out there's inos enos 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 is neural nitric oxide synthase.
0: Wow, okay.
1: Enos is endothelial nitric oxide Mm -hmm. synthase. Inos is inducible. Okay. So inducible is very important when you have an acute inflammatory response.
0: Yeah, it's it's being induced to respond. It's
1: being induced to respond. Okay. But when you turn on certain chronic inflammatory issues, Mm -hmm. inos actually is an enzyme that converts nitric oxide into an inflammatory type molecule. Oh, really? Super cool. So anyways, polyphenols block the enzymes like that huh. and cyclooxygenase two or COX-2. Right. If you've ever seen any commercials, we used to have commercials commercial all the time about COX-2 inhibitors. Right. And so it blocks these two enzymes, which wow. to me is super, super fascinating because I did not know that it did this on a local level as well. While it's doing this, it's increasing anti-inflammation pathways like the NRF2 pathway, which we've shown that that is the exact opposite. If you wanna think about good guy, bad guy, yeah, NRF2, you know, the old cowboy movies, wearing the white hat, yeah. the uh, NF Kappa Beta is the bad guy wearing the black hat, so you know who's good and who's bad. That's the old-timey movies, I yeah. remember. That's how – that th- I bring that – that's really dating myself, but I'm bringing that up because that's how I was taught um, during pathology about how to read um, – uh, you're looking at slides. If it's cancer, it basically has all this chromatin staining on top. And I remember uh, my mentor, Dr. Brady, would say, look, remember this. When you see a slide and if it's really dark on top, mm-hmm. that's a black hat. That's a bad guy. Okay and if it's darker in the middle it's it's okay you have a polyp it's not cancer yet but once it does that so it's just always think about that so basically nf kappa beta bad nrf2 good pathways that do one does a whole pathway of bad one does a whole pathway of good polyphenols decrease the bad pathway and they increase the good pathway nice and lo- and it increases inflammatory cytokine or anti-inflammatory cytokines like il10 okay so that's part of what they get into, which is, which is really, really cool. And then in the study, they go into tremendous detail about how this inflammation or the reactive oxygen species creating this inflammatory process. Actually, um, once the NF-kappa beta is turned on, it creates apoptosis in the endothelial lining. It's a big word. You know what that is?
0: Uh, it's when cells uh, automatically die or they are, it's like programmed cell death. They are t- they're told that they, are, they need to terminate.
1: Yeah. So when the NF-kappa-beta gets turned on, it goes around and it tells healthy endothelial cells to kill themselves, Yeah. so to speak, which results in cell dying, which then leads to denudation or sloughing of healthy blood vessel cells.
0: Which now needs to be replaced and repaired. Which needs to be
1: replaced and repaired, which sometimes that inflammatory process then leads to either scarring or plaque buildup or things like that. Yeah. So if you don't block the inflammatory cascade, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. So this is going to lead to inflammation and fascinating. What these guys showed in multiple studies is when you have this apoptosis and denudation, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the other thing that you're getting rid of is endothelial nitric oxide synthase. Which is going going to form nitric oxide, right? Yeah, so its job is to form the good nitric oxide, which helps dilate blood vessels. Mm -hmm. You actually decrease the amount that's even available.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. That's not what you want in this particular instance.
1: That's not what you want in this instance at all. And that is not sarcasm. That is the truth. That is the truth. Yeah, so anyways, that's enos. So basically you have, you decrease enos, you decrease the amount of nitric oxide that you have. If you stop and think about this, and you know that it goes all over your body, we need blood vessel dilation to keep our blood pressure down, to increase the blood flow to our brain. We have strokes because you block the blood flow. We have heart attacks because you block the blood flow. Mm-hmm. You can have erectile dysfunction because the blood flow is decreased. Correct. So it, it's all making sense now. So without nitric oxide, you have increased adhesion. So now you have a lining of a blood vessel which has lost its endothelium smooth pathway. yeah, And then now you've got these like ridges. yeah. So as platelets and leukocytes, as your white blood cells and your platelets come swimming through, they're like getting hit and they get, they get hung on and they get stuck. And this actually causes a release of something called thromboxane A2, because oh. they're like, oh man, we, get, we, we need to get out of here, we're stuck. Thromboxin A2 is a vasoconstrictor. Because yeah. if you think of plumbing, you have a big pipe mm-hmm. like this. If you're getting decreased flow, if you constrict the pipe, you'll have higher pressure. pressure. Yeah. So the body's going, oh my gosh, I got platelets that are stuck there. Let's release this thromboxin A2. It's like putting
0: your thumb over the end of the hose.
1: Yeah, it's exactly it.
0: Yeah.
1: I read this and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. All this stuff that's going on with COVID and people are having strokes, heart attacks, clotting. Now it makes total sense. A hundred percent. The inflammatory process is using up your nitric oxide synthase so that you don't have as much nitric oxide. And then your body's producing a clotting mechanism to overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has discussed this that I've seen. I haven't seen Fauci or anybody talk about that. I keep hitting my mic, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just like getting all excited. <laughs> no, I've not seen anyone talk about it from that approach uh, whatsoever. Granted, some of this uh, information, some is new as it pertains to COVID and the pandemic, but the the actual process of this though is not new. What they're doing is they're applying some relatively recent knowledge and saying, guys, this is the same process. We have to get out in front of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just saw, we've talked about this, but I just saw that the guys that we work with at um, at, at Atrantil, they um, just filed for their, they're their finalizing their study where they're actually using polyphenols in hospitalized COVID-19 people. So oh. it's public now. Nice. We've kind of been hiding it. I've, been known, I've known about it for over a year now where that's, this is what they've been trying to do, but they, they have their data done, and so now it's public knowledge that they have petitioned to be able to publish this. The data isn't out publicly yet, but they've at least shown that this is what they're doing. Right. And now it's making sense. Yeah, it's it does make total sense. sense. So to recap this, oxidative stress leads to inflammation, which leads to decreased nitric oxide and eventually vasoconstriction and clotting. Mm. So let's pause for a moment because I feel like I'm just throwing a ton of stuff out there.
0: Well, it is a lot of stuff, but uh, ultimately the takeaway through all of this is make certain that you get rest and that you have polyphenols on board because that's what your body needs. What we're really breaking down is why. Why do we need this? Why does it work? Exactly. Which is... You referenced earlier and it's to bring our attention back. We've been told that we needed probiotics 25 years ago, but they didn't really know why they just knew that we wanted or not even more importantly, how, how does it work? We knew that we needed bacteria in the colon, but we didn't really know if taking probiotics was going to really give us the diversity in the colon that we needed to give us the byproducts or the metabolites. That our body was wanting, and what we 're seeing here with polyphenols is that we know not only why we need them, how they work, and where specifically with erectile dysfunction, we can see that it could actually correct some some damage
1: absolutely, absolutely well, well said. Um, all right, so we 're going to keep moving on because that's not it. It's the, that doesn't actually just stop there. oh no, there's more there's more. Um, Do you remember when we had that patient who was – he's a cancer researcher. Okay. And he was talking about how the research he's been doing uh, was looking at blocking arginase enzyme to help as a cancer treatment. Vaguely. So essentially – there's, and then I had another patient who's a cancer, he's an MD-PhD, and I asked him, I was like, hey, I had a patient that said, he goes, oh yeah, 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 we've known about that. So he's MD-PhD, so in the research world, they've known about this for a long time. Okay. Basically blocking the enzyme that breaks arginine down, down.
0: Okay. helps
1: your body heal itself. Wow, okay. And I thought that was fascinating because they're basically, they're basically developing a drug that, which is more of like a dietary supplement to treat cancer, fascinating. Yeah, it is. Super cool. So well, lots of research is going on in the cancer world regarding arginase inhibitors, and then it doesn't take long for the pharmaceutical industry to realize there's money in other things. Sure. So there's lots of research going on in the world of, a, of erectile dysfunction, trying to use arginase inhibitors for erectile dysfunction. Big money. Definitely. Big, big money. So as it turns out, there are studies out there that have shown that polyphenols actually have a strong arginase and ACE2 inhibition as well.
0: And I think this is important, though, to point out because there's a big distinction, at least in our experience, of the motivations behind pharmaceuticals, again, is to just find something to block that one enzyme, arginase. Polyphenols are really the far more natural way for your body to have the things at its arsenal and its disposal to use when needed, which is a much different approach. Give your body the tools. I, if, if, if I needed uh, a lug nut taken off of my, uh, of, of the wheel. So you change the tire, it'd be great to have that lug nut, uh, you know, uh, wrench, but then later on as a screw comes loose in the car, or I need to, you know, I need to gap my spark plugs or something else like that. I would much rather have the toolbox it had the lug nut wrench, the gap for the spark plug and the screwdriver versus well now I've got to try to fix my spark plugs with this wrench and it's not going to work
1: 100%. So think about this. If you develop a drug that is purely an arginase inhibitor, yeah. but you don't have any nitric oxide synthase to convert the arginase to nitric oxide.
0: There's there's no there's no balance in what you're what you're doing. There's no balance at all in that. Give your body the fuel to to m- use from the tool chest as it needs
1: absolutely um there have been studies that that have shown this they cite several different studies but one in particular that i just want to bring up um, is a polyphenol called moringa i'm only bringing this up because we will be discussing moringa on a future episode Mm -hmm. uh, because it ties in i'm just I love doing this podcast because I learn a lot. I love it when anybody else listens to it and they comment on it. We do get a lot of emails and I'm loving that, but the reality is that it's fascinating how many things just come together. Yeah. When you're like, oh my gosh, nobody's put this to this. Nobody's put this to this. So when I say that we're gonna talk about Moringa in the future, like in the very near future, I got some really cool stuff that I've come across, but there's we can't. Uh, there's only so much we can discuss and on one episode at a time. So, when we're looking at all this, and we said in the very beginning of this episode that inflammation is the root cause, mm. w- well, you have to bring up. Well, then address some of that. Like, are there any studies that show when somebody has chronic disease
0: for erectile dysfunction? Uh huh. There's tons of that. Like, you diabetes, for instance. Oh,
1: for instance. Um, there was a study where it looked at how a polyphenol from a lactic acid improved erections in diabetic rats. They were able to demonstrate in these diabetic rats, they induced diabetes in them, that this was done through an inhibition of the reactive oxygen species mm-hmm. directly and locally in the corpus cavernosum. So diabetes is one disease. Okay. Uh, there was another study that ingesting pomegranate polyphenols improved penile vasodilation mm-hmm. in rats that they cause severe arteriogenic erectile dysfunction. So vascular disease in this one, after administration of polyphenols, they documented increased intracavernosal blood flow. So increased blood flow to the penis compared to the untreated rats with the same vascular disease in other words coronary artery disease and the key point in this study was that the decrease in reactive oxygen species allowed an increase in nitric oxide to stick around long enough to override the lack of blood flow i'll say it again wow the that whole process that i just talked about where you have inflammation reactive oxygen species leading to the inflammation causing the nf kappa beta to turn on which leads to vasoconstriction well, as it turns out, by giving the polyphenol, it allows the nitric oxide to stick around long enough and go like Braveheart, hold, hold. I <laughs> was able to hold open the vessels and be yeah. like, we're
0: going to get an erection one way or the other. Just paint my face blue. Let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get it. Hey, I find that interesting, though, too, because it's, once again, it's the antithesis is, is how we got to the problem in the first place. You mentioned CAD or, or coronary artery disease which also would include um, probably similar diseases like peripheral vascular disease, uh, having that problem. But what inevitably do they think leads to those, uh, those deposits or those blockages in CAD? And usually it's long-term inflammation processes and it can be kicked off by anything. It can be kicked off by uh, long-term sleep apnea, et cetera. But you end up being deficient in molecules that your body wants, To basically control that inflammation it It, happens every single time it's
1: the tipping point right when you don't have enough um antioxidants and the pro-oxidants turn enough on the nf kappa beta uh uh-oh you are going the wrong way
0: and then that that's a long explanation in and of itself i'm just highlighting that 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 is cad is just another instance where what we needed to control systemic or even local inflammation is deficient in the molecules needed to prevent that accumulation of that blockage.
1: Do you remember in Step Brothers when they, um, <laughs> after they, when they met up at the uh, Catalina Wine Mixer, and he goes, "Are you still, are you still, uh, whatever he said, karate chopping watermelons, <laughs> whatever he said," and he goes, "No," and he goes, "But I am taking a daily aspirin." He's like, "That's a smart thing smart to do." Smart thing, yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there was the whole enterprise rent-a-car they teach you to be your own boss but anyways so the whole idea of taking an aspirin a day is it because it blocks the the, co- the cyclooxygenase pathway or is it the antiplatelet pathway or oh my gosh really aspirin is an anti-inflammatory is that's what exactly it comes what down it is. to
0: yeah that's exactly what it is and it does it's an anti-inflammatory because it was blocking cox right yeah so uh what does polyphenols do
1: yeah cox by the way
0: Uh, yeah yes (laughs) because we're on that subject aren't we and i'll I'll (laughs) highlight that earlier in the show if you heard him say that's nuts twice i i heard that so i just wanted to throw that out there (gasps) um yeah so that's think about
1: that like uh, like my everything was just going off in me i was just like wait a minute that's why what we showed that taking an aspirin um, antiplatelet activity of Plavix. Why do we put people on Plavix to be uh-huh. antiplatelet without treating the underlying inflammatory process?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we we're, I think uh, our society has just become really accustomed to turning to the drug, which really is only targeting one small thing instead of giving your body the opportunity to correct the more universal problem. Because let's face it, if you're on a uh, an antiplatelet therapy like Plavix. Of course it could be saving your life. If you've had a stent, et cetera, I'm not saying don't take Plavix. However, you do have side effects that come from that, that you, you could, you bruise easier. Uh, You you bleed out if you have a scrape. I mean, it's just, it's problem.
1: All right, so we know that you have to, if you have a cardiac event, cardiologist goes in, got a lot of cardiology friends and they place a stent to open up your artery, increases the blood flow. Problem is the stent has little ridges on it. And that's where platelets can adhese. Exact same thing is happening when you denude your own vessel. That's right, yeah. You create little ridges Ridges. so that platelets will stick. 100%. Yeah,
0: and and that's all from inflammation.
1: That's all from inflammation. And then finally, in another study, using a polyphenol combo from grapes, apples, and saffron, they demonstrated that an indirect mechanism, in this case, by activating the sirtuin one pathway we haven't mentioned that yet, but we've talked about it before, the Sirtuin one pathway, which resulted in decreased apoptosis of the endothelium and resistance towards oxidative stress. If the SIRT diet rings a bell with anybody, that's because Adele did the SIRT diet and lost a bunch of weight, and everybody kept talking about the SIRT diet. It's a polyphenol diet. Yeah, it turns on the Sirtuins, which basically function to block this stuff that we're talking about, apoptosis, denudation, reactive oxygen species. Definitely. So uh, super, all right, so the bottom line is, polyphenols are badass in the natural prevention of erectile dysfunction. And it was shown to do this by multiple mechanisms. Let's just go over the mechanisms super fast. Number one, direct antioxidant effect. Correct. So it is the antioxidant, To protect the pro-oxidants that are going on, reactive oxygen species. It increases nitric oxide by decreasing the enzyme-inducible nitric oxide, so that's the bad one. And it was actually shown to increase nitric oxide synthase because that goes down with inflammation. Correct. Number three, inhibiting arginase
0: so hey we didn't talk about this earlier i think we kind of got sidetracked but why is arginine important for nitric oxide production so if we break down arginine before it has an opportunity to be used by uh by nitric oxide synthase then obviously there's just not enough fuel or components to make nitric oxide correct
1: 100 percent. so uh, in the prior episode we talked about it in detail where acetylcholine turns on this Ability for arginine to get moved through an enzymatic pathway using nitric oxide synthase. It converts arginine into nitric oxide. Correct. So that's why it's so important. So if you don't have enough arginine, then even if you're doing well and your body wants to have an erection, it needs this substrate. Yeah. And if your body's breaking it down all the time because arginase goes up during inflammation, then you don't even have the substrate to do it
0: with. Yeah, it's just not enough fuel. Yeah.
1: There's not enough fuel. That's that's the best way to put it. Number four, it blocks pro-inflammatory pathways like NF kappa beta, and that that just leads that's to that's the black hat. That's the black hat. That just leads to decrease in TNF alpha and interleukin six and all these other inflammatory cytokines. Then it also turns on anti-inflammatory pathways through the NRF2 pathway, which is the white hat, white hat. which turns on um, a. Which shuts down NF kappa beta and turns on a whole host of other um, anti inflammatory processes. And then finally, number, we're on six. Um, it activates the CERT1 pathway, leading to less apoptosis. And it also helps with uh, protecting the reactive oxygen species, apoptosis creating the bumpy lining, the denudation. So, Mother Nature's secret weapon, new and improved for erectile dysfunction. We talk about it for other things, but. And we didn't really discuss it regarding I
0: mean, this. I mean, at this point, at this point, if you've been on the fence on should I take polyphenols, but you're not on the fence of if you like to have sex and the answer is yes. If the answer is no, then I mean, keep keep skipping. But if you want to protect an intimate love life, then polyphenols are critically important. What They just are. And they always have been. It's, this isn't new.
1: Well, this isn't new, and we just discussed the study out of Miami, where now we're going to start, we're, we're, we're going to see a lot more people, younger people, showing up saying, I have erectile dysfunction, what's going on? Yeah, and it's going
0: to be more devastating the younger that you oh, are. Because it's not normal. That's not normal.
1: 100%, and it's just one of those things that nobody, well, not, well, no, I'll say it, nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Nobody talked about it until Mike Ditka went on a Viagra commercial, and it was like, "Well, if Ditka's talk about it, then you know, I guess we can talk about it a little bit more." Oh yeah. Remember that? Yeah,
0: and and, and it, it thanks thanks to them, honestly, because it broke the barriers to where it became commonplace. I don't remember anybody talking about
1: it publicly. No. And then if you're sitting there just going, "Okay, you're talking about these polyphenols. Which one did I talk about? You talked about grape. You talked about pomegranate. You talked about moringa." Uh, the bottom line is the larger the more stable polyphenol you have, it will be broken down into the metabolites, the postbiotics, and we talked about, on a prior episode with Sylvia, her research was, she's a PhD um, from Spain, shout out to her for um, English being a distant second language, I think she speaks four languages also. (laughs) but English being her last to learn, and she came on the show and discussed it. Her research showed that when you take a large stable polyphenol like Cabracho and chestnut, your colonic bacteria, she fermented it, she digested it and fermented it, meaning that it was the metabolites. You kick off all these different, smaller phenolic compounds that people are trying to study, like ellagic acid, like rutin, like resveratrol, like curcumin. It's incredible. You give your body what it wants. You, we always talk about, you know, get it in your diet first. So eat a very colorful plate. You're going to get that. But to get the same amount of polyphenols, proanthocyanidins in five bowls of berries, mm-hmm. it's equivalent to two doses of Atrontil. That's correct. So from poly, polyphenol content to polyphenol content of proanthocyanidin, that's, that's where it comes in. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. And
0: polyphenols, we, we made a reference, or I made a reference earlier to uh, having having a toolbox. So uh, certain polyphenols, individually, they're great. They're great for you. Uh, but that may just be a small tool bag. And a larger molecule of polyphenol, like a proanthocyanidin is really like the entire tool chest. Regardless, you're giving your body all of the tools that it needs or several of the tools that it needs in order to make the uh, the right metabolites that, uh, that you're in need of. Yeah. So...
1: Awesome. Do you want to recap this real quick? Because it's thick.
0: Man, do I want to do it right now?
1: <laughs> so I got one last question for you. <laughs> um, which which white do you like better? Here, why would you choose that one? That's not the one that that works at all. all Episode 55 in the books, we covered both sarcasm and erections.
0: We did, we covered sarcastic erections. Thank you all so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to episode 56. And that one's actually a mystery. We're going to find out what that topic is. Yeah, that
1: one's going to be a little bit of a mystery. So as always, um, everything that we talk about on this show, I am a physician. Eric is a CRNA. We do treat people on a regular basis, but we are not your doctor, unless you are my patient and you're listening to this. Um, So please do not take this as medical advice. This is a show. It is for entertainment. And we are also trying to educate. So, in that light, it, we would love it if you would share this, if you would subscribe, and if you would, um, you know, like it, post a comment, whatever, so that uh, we could run it through our AI software to find out if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely do that. We want to run it through our AI software. Hey, thank y'all so much. Please like and share. Honestly, this type of topic kind of gets shadow banned on certain platforms. So. If you were ever going to share an episode, please share this one and episode number 54. And of course, check out our first ever revisit with Dr. Wade McKinnon, because this guy here went and visited him for some stem cell uh, treatment. So look at, that. Look at that. works. Arm works. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye.